Today is kind of an unusual class. We are recording this just as the uh, war in Israel uh, has uh, warmed up with the attacks from Hamas into Israel and wanted to have a discussion about uh, the cycle of violence that is happening and, and is about to happen uh, and how it actually relates to the Book of Mormon because there's a similar cycle of violence that happens uh, as we open the book of Helaman. So today is uh, a little heavier. Uh, it's a little bit more uh, current events. I don't know how this will age well a year from now. Uh, but currently today, this, this class will be focusing on uh, uh, the cycle of violence that begins uh, with uh, the war in, in Israel in the first part of October. Uh, glad you're joining us. Uh, hope this uh, helps a little bit. And welcome to another Monday Morning Book of Mormon class with Kevin Hinckley. Recorded live, we dive deeply and deliberately into this inspired scripture. How far we get in one class depends a lot on the material and the doctrines left for us by ancient prophets. A single chapter may occupy one class or many. Of course, opinions expressed by the teacher or the class members do not constitute official church doctrines. Join us in this adventure and discover the hidden treasures found within its pages. And now, on to the class. start recording then and uh, away we go now um, I have to tell you well first of all by way of, of information uh, there won't be any class next week uh, Cindy and I are going to be in Salt Lake at uh, we're going to talk about that in a second um, no we're actually at a uh, the uh, restore conference in Salt Lake in, in Sandy uh, listening to a whole host of great speakers, including Terrell Givens and Patrick Mason and Steve Young and a bunch of other great speakers for two days. So no class, and then we won't be getting back until later on Monday. So no class next week. I promise you I'm going to be very dangerous, though, the week after. Because <laughs> 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 if I hear some great stuff, i got to unload it somewhere, and you guys are my favorite target. <laughs> so, plus, Cindy gets tired of hearing it when I'm unloading on her. <laughs> So, anyway, so that said, um, so no class next week. Um, now, as far as today goes, I had prepared a really good lesson for today. And then you decided on a different one. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so you're going to get to hear this really, really good class in two weeks. What you're, getting, what you're getting today is going to be reaction to what happened over the weekend. And what I want to do uh, in order to, to start this... Um, hello? <laughs> it's like a Matterhorn or something like that. Okay. All right. Um, I wanna, it, it's interesting, in the first part of the Book of Mormon... Um, Lehi is going to tell us that there must be opposition, there must needs be opposition in all things. Now, I think at the root of that, without that opposition, 
uh, it means that we are we are able to have uh, our agency. Now, my question, I guess, is um, what does it involve to have agency? What, what are the elements that must uh, and, and, and by the way, let, let me set this up uh, again, one more step. Uh, it's interesting when I have people that I talk to or you listen to people online and they're going to say, if there was a God, he wouldn't let, right? Or if, if, if there was a loving God, why did he let me marry this person? Or if there was a God and I get answers or something, why wasn't I warned about or why doesn't God stop? Or why doesn't, why doesn't? And, and the, our answer is always, well, there has to be agency. Okay? So if you would put another category there for moral agency. Uh. Because, you know, a lot of Latter-day Saints believe that God gave us our agency. And that's absolutely not true. What he, didn't, what he did was he didn't take away our agency. And he gave us morality. Ah, okay. So, 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 so keep that back there. Yeah, I like that. In order to have agency, we need to know truth. Okay. Well, we have to know choices. And then, but, but knowing, knowing the truth is going to kind of be the end game of agency, isn't it? Well, you kind of have to know what's right in order to choose good. Okay. Like, the crazies in the Middle East are not raised that way. Right, so because they don't have, there's certain knowledge they don't have. They don't have a, they don't have a knowledge of a loving Heavenly Father. Okay. They're angry. Right, and they see only what they see. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah. When so, I think of agency, I think of consequences. There is an agency. All right, okay, there we go. So, so... It, Agency is built on we have to have choices and they have to be true choices, right? Anything that would be like a sort of choice is not really agency. You have to have a, a complete ability to have choice. Yeah. Yeah, so elaborate on a true choice. Yeah, yeah, because that's kind of where we're going, right? No, because I, I think that's a good point. You could say, uh, somebody for some, somebody that grows up in, in a uh, really poor ghetto kind of thing, they might say, well, I have choices. I can either be a rapper or I can be a drug dealer. Those are my only two really choices. Based on the experiences that I have and the people that I see, I think that's my only choices. Okay, is that a true choice? Are there more choices? Yeah, but they, they're not being exposed to them yet, right? So... So your your choices and truth and right and wrong, they become more refined. So you start out with with big categories of reasonable or right and big categories of wrong. And the more you head into one area, the more finely refined or, or uh, precise you can be. And you end up perfect or horrible. Well, and by, but when you make those choices, sometimes by experience we learn... I had a choice to do these things, but is that really what I want? So I, I like I like what, what you were saying earlier. 
part of what happens is there's some immutable things that happens. Uh, number one, if I'm going to make a choice, then I'm, I'm choosing A, and I'm not choosing B. It's the road I didn't take. Okay, so I'm eliminating things I could have done. Two, somebody said all choices lead to there's going to be some kind of consequence. We get to choose, no matter how much knowledge we have, we're going to make a choice. We're going to choose one thing, and, but there's going to be a consequence. Now, well, I mean, we were laughing, we were laughing earlier when we were talking about trying to parent kind of thing, and uh, consequences, in my mind, are there are short-term, immediate consequences. I really would like a big chocolate cake. What's the consequence in the short run of that? Tastes good. It tastes great. I had a great evening. <laughs> Might not sleep very well. No, now, the, now an hour out. <laughs> <laughs> there might be an. I'm not, now I'm sick to my stomach. Maybe next week you've got to buy a new belt. <laughs> yes, it's going to cost me more because I am. Now I'm weighing more in the long run. Uh, so, so the long term uh, effects of whatever choices I make. Okay. Now, so often when we are busy making choices, we, we see really well. The short term, especially if we're like 14, <laughs> 13 or 14 or 12, what they want is what they want. I want to stay up till 3 or 4 in the morning playing my video games, and I'm gaming, but I do have to get up for school the next morning. I don't necessarily see the long-term consequence because I like my short term. I want what I want, what I want, when I want it. Now. Okay? All right. So in order to have this agency, then the ability and the right to choose. Yeah, Brent? Well, you mentioned the video game, and I had an interesting conversation with my grandson a couple of days ago. He's in the video game, and I uh -huh. do it professionally. And I said, that's fine. Because he's looking at the long-term consequence, I will spend the rest of my life Doing what I enjoy. Do, doing what I enjoy, right? I told him, I said, what I want you to do is think about whether this is a hobby or a way to earn a living. And if it's a way to earn a living, can you explain to me how that happens? Ah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people making. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. We can go. Well, that's wrong. There are people making nearly a million a year. Yeah. There are, and it's those guys that are encouraging the other. You know. Hundred millions of kids that decide to do that that aren't going to be able to do. It's like I want to be an NFL football player, <laughs> you know. And for every guy that gets to make big money playing NFL football, there are thousands and thousands of kids who played like like the little like the high school team I watched was not going to work out very well. I, I guess you get into that. When I was YSA bishop, we had some summer hires that earned six digits in summer selling, yeah. summer sales. That's right. And others, I had to buy them a bus ticket to get them home. Yes, it's true. It's true. So, okay. So, so part of choices, and and I love the idea of refining over time, is that agency gives us the ability 
and, and actually mortality is based on we're going to get to come and be able to choose and make choices, but then we're going to have to be able to understand the effect of consequences on all of that. Uh, and, and we learn as we mature to be able to have a longer uh, event horizon. We can put off... Uh, I remember when my, uh, when my daughter and son-in-law finally, he, after uh, going through school and medical school and going through the Navy and, and all of that, and they finally then get their, their house, and he's finally got a position at Utah Valley Hospital, you know, and, and, and I remember them saying, we're now realizing our, the end of a 14-year goal. For them, that, that goal was 14 years down the road, but that meant for 13 of those years, we're not going to have everything that we really want. We're putting it off, we're getting delayed gratification. We're going to get what we want down the road. And that's part of, so we're going to make conscious choices to not date on Friday night so I can study for my exam, right? And they're going to do that for 14 years. And now they're enjoying the fruits of the 14-year thing. But part of so, so at the moment, though, my, my uh, son-in-law has much greater ability to choose what he does on a week when he only has to work one day and make more than I do in a month. <laughs> okay? And he has these choices about what he's able to do and where he wants to go and what he wants to do with his family and all those kind of things because he put off a lot of smaller choices Okay. Now, I'm speaking to the, I know I'm speaking to the choir, because <laughs> you guys are here at this stage of life having delayed a lot of gratifications, where, where for a lot of people, uh, and Brent, we certainly see that in the YSA ward, they're, they're able to put off things like, I want to be able to go do what I want to do, which is go have fun, but now I'm 38 and I still work at, you know, Popeyes, and I'm hoping I don't get fired. <laughs> and and I'm, so because I'm not putting off choices, by the way, I'm 38 trying to get into the YSA ward, and we're going, no, you don't get to be here. <laughs> One of your choices is not to be in the YSA ward so you can scope out the 22-year-old girls. Yeah, and they do. That, and hang on to that, because once, once you start making choices, then you're going to start making some decisions down the road that are going to have short-term and long-term uh, consequences. So, Kevin? Yeah? Uh, Warren Buffett said that the most powerful thing in the world is compound interest, or maybe Einstein said it. Yeah. But it's not. It's, it, but it is uh, incremental change. And uh, yeah. that, that's what we are dealing with. Every time we look at the consequence and we think it's, uh, it's something external, but the biggest consequence is that every time we make a change, we have a new perspective. And our perspective keeps moving in the direction. And, and because we learn. You know, perspective says if I'm going to learn from my experience, every time I learn, if I get a chance to use agency to make a choice and see the consequence, now, okay, as, I'm, as, I'm, as I see the consequence of what I did, now I can go... I don't want to do that again. <laughs> or you go, oh, I think I will do that again. You know, one of those questions that I keep bringing up in, in my practice with people is, what, if I've learned nothing in decades of, of doing counseling, it is, 
that we choose to do what works to us, and we don't and we don't do what doesn't work. So, because someone will say, "Well, I married a narcissist, and he does A, B, C, and D." Okay, why does he do that? Where does it work? What's he getting that he wants? And because if it wasn't working, he wouldn't be doing it. It's just really, really simple. Sometimes you've got to look what the motivation is. Okay? People think it works. As long as people think it works, they do it. They do. And sometimes it's just in the short term, or they're not learning because they're translating. The, the guy that is screaming and yelling at the airport, at the, at the ticket counter people, who put him in the wrong seat, or they changed his flight, or they're making him check his baggage, and he's screaming and yelling at you know, the, the ticket counter lady. Why is he doing that? Because we, we're out here going, what a jerk. He's not thinking about the no-fly list. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, that's right. Long term. This could affect your ability to fly next week, right? Like, always think about those guys when they're sitting there going, you know, they're fighting. No, I'm not going to change my, you know, I'm not going to do this and everything. And they're having to haul them out of the plane. You're not thinking about, this may be the last time you fly for a long time, turkey. <laughs> Not just because you're in jail, but that word gets out. Okay, why is the guy yelling at the ticket counter lady? There could be many reasons, but one of them could be that it usually works for it him. works for him. Whoever is the loudest wins. I have yes, and I have found if I get loud enough and obnoxious enough, people give me what I want, and if that's happened enough, I'll keep I'll just keep repeating. Or it could be something totally nothing related to the ticket. Yeah. Something, something else. That's just the trigger that set it off. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now let's take a look at um, with, with this in mind. Take a look at what happened over the weekend. Uh, and, and, and at the moment, it's still pretty hard to kind of organize everything. And, and I wanted to talk about this because cause we're about to apply this to a time in the Book of Mormon, and it's scary how it lines up. Okay, And so that's why I want to... I'm not gonna, trying to do it like a current history kind of thing, but I need you to see that we're watching a history cycle that's going on. Um, why is um, why is Hamas and Hezbollah doing what they're doing? Because you would you would think they'd look at the long term consequences and and they're not quite sure. But why are they doing what they're doing? They're they're acting out of a sense of justice, and uh, and they think that uh, they have been oppressed and disenfranchised. And they think that uh, the Israelis are infidels and that God will take their side in this conflict. Where are they getting that idea? Kevin, yeah. could you go back and explain who Hamas is? Oh, okay. Are? Probably, be a, probably be a good idea. Getting the idea from Satan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and, but recognize Hamas. Even though they're the de facto government of the Gaza area, <laughs> they only actually represent like five to ten percent of the people. I know, but they're just the louder, the louder voices. But the other ninety-five percent are going to have to suffer for what they're doing. Okay, so so just to get, I don't want to go long term into into history on this, but j- just recall that in. Uh, th- 
that for for years and years uh, in in this this last century that uh, Palestine existed with Palestinians that that uh, had lived there for decades, right? That when in the uh, Balfour Doctrine in 1918, uh, the British government says we're going to start to carve out a, a, an enclave for Jews because th this is their original homeland, which the Palestinians said, no, we've been here hundreds of years longer. And they're going, no, the Jews have been there thousands of years before, but th that's going to be what it is. Okay, then comes, then comes uh, World War II, and we get the Holocaust, and then the UN is going to get behind in 1948 uh, to be able to, to carve out a small area for Israel. Very, very, very small. Half of Half of Jerusalem, uh, and but the but the re remainder of it is still Palestine, and still Palestinians. Okay. Now, in uh, so there's a war in '48, as as uh, Arab nations try to put back. We know what happens in uh, 1967. Um, the 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 bigger six day war, uh, and again I won't go into all the the details of, of that. Um, but in doing that, Israel expands by quite a bit. Um, their, their territory, including taking over the rest of Jerusalem and, and all of uh, up through the Golan Heights and down through the Judean Desert. Um, and Israel now takes over. Now, what happens with a lot of the traditional Palestinians living in that, in that region, they don't want to live under Israeli rule, so they leave. They go to Lebanon, they go to Syria, they, and so they leave their homelands. And Israel takes over because they won't live under Israeli control. So now, we, and so that's 67, we get the Yom Kippur War in 1973, you know, just the battle goes on and on. And, and at this point, though, now as they have come back and lived in the small little area of uh, uh, the Gaza Strip, uh, kind of a, it's almost kind of a ghettoish kind of area because it's never thrived for a variety of reasons, but just fomenting all of the anger and, and stuff like that. Okay, so there they've been lived for a long time. Uh, now, when when there's ever a suggestion about, and, and and this is the thing that the whole thing hangs on, that there should be a Palestinian state, that they should be that we should be able to have two nations autonomous nations living right next to each other that never, never works because of one important piece. It's called the right to return. And that is that the Palestinians would go for it except for the fact that they need to say all of our displaced people over the decades that were cast out, they left. They, Palestinians would say they were cast out. The Israelis would say, no, they left of their own accord. They didn't want to live under it. But anyway, their original homelands are now all over Israel. And the original right to return said they could return to their original homelands. Well, they all, everybody draws their self back to Abraham. Well, yeah. And, I, and they all think that they were given that land because they are Abraham. Yeah, but at the moment, that doesn't even play into this original right of return. It does more for the Israelis. But for the original right of return says, this was our, in the late 1800s, 
this is where our family plot was, right here, and we should be able to go back to, well, it's right in the middle of Tel Aviv. Yeah, I know you can't, we now have built a big city on that, we're not going to give up big parts of Tel Aviv. But we were there for hundreds of years, that was our family thing. No, can't do that. Okay? So the yeah. It's a right. It's a Palestinian thing, and that's always the last thing on there. Yeah, we could do that. You could set up your own government. We'll tear down the walls and stuff. But it's that right of return. And if we don't get the right of return, we're going to keep fighting against Israel until we get our ability to come back to our homeland. That okay, that sits in Haifa. You know, we want to be right there where downtown is. That's where our family land was. Yeah, Wendy. There's a lot of peaceful Palestinians. A lot. In yeah. Israel, and as long as they live peacefully, it's fine. They're all there. Yeah, two two of my closest people that, that we work with constantly in Israel are both Palestinians. Exactly. Jim Jimmy is, yeah. and so is Mahmoud. Yeah, Mahmoud. Yeah. I have a question: <clears throat> Do the Jews not going back even further? The Jews kind of had that right to return mentality also, did they not? Oh, they do. Absolutely. That's where we get into the Abraham side of it. They're going, yeah, but I, this, this was ours back in. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if I understand how it's been working, the, the Jewish government has been... Uh, I, I would almost equate it to how the... Mormons were when they came into Missouri. They kind of came and said, "This is going to be our. This is our place." Yeah, this is our place, and, and God gave this to us, and here we are. It just does not work. No, it doesn't, and and so, uh, and I, I'm not going to excuse that their time that, uh, like we stood at the, uh, in in March, uh, stood again at the uh, Shepherd's Fields, and when you're looking down at the Shepherd's Field above uh, Bethlehem. And, and you can see, okay, this is where it was and, and all that, and it's a very cool thing. But the weird thing is is that you're looking across this valley, and the valley comes up, and you're looking, and then there's these long, big, long fences and lots of space, and then there are really nice apartments up on the top of the hill overlooking shepherd's fields from the north looking down, okay? That's the dividing line between Israel and the West Bank and area Bethlehem. The problem is, is that the, the area that is all fenced off uh, is, is Palestinian land, but it was found, fenced off by Israel as a buffer, and they draw all of the water for the apartments from that place. And our, and our Christian Palestinian guide that and, and we've had some wonderful ones in, in Bethlehem over the years, will look at it and say this is one of those areas where it's like these guys are struggling for water, they're watching Israel just, you know, three hundred yards away doing really well, but they fenced off part of the land that were it's supposed to be ours and so Israel keeps encroaching and they'll say, Well but we have to have the security buffer because you guys keep attacking us. Yeah, but it's our land and you know, so again, there are th a lot of those that could be worked out if it wasn't for kind of this right of return that stands like the big moggy pit right in the middle of the battle. Yeah. yeah. So we look at Abraham as the head to the to the Jewish people, but uh, actually it's Jacob. <laughs> it's not Abraham, but the, the yeah. Jews all draw themselves back to Abraham, 
but most Palestinians and Muslims draw themselves back to Ismail. Yeah, and they do. Esau. But because th that's who was who was actually who was Abraham going to sacrifice? He was. Who, 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 did, who did Abraham almost sacrifice on the altar? I, oh, not Abraham. Yeah. Who did Jacob almost sacrifice? Uh, uh, that's because you're you. Who, who, who did the Arabs think? Ishmael. Yeah. And they'll tell you, when, when, when Jacob, you know, when he almost sacrificed, no, a Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. Isaac and Ishmael. Yeah. Okay. And, and they'll it, tell you it was Ishmael. They will. They will. So I, I get those roots are back there. But some of the, but the current battle... We, we tend to want to look at it bigger than that. They could resolve some of that if they could get rid of some of these. Okay, now look at what's, look at what's about to happen, though. And, I, and I'm just going to say this is what's about to happen in the next couple of weeks. Okay? Um, but we know of uh, 700 Jews uh, are, are dead, uh, probably hundreds more. Uh, there, there are hundreds that have been captured and taken in... And they're being they're, they're kidnapped. We know that there are hundreds of bodies at the site of the festival, um, and and the size of this thing means that this can't be Israel's response can't be a two week clean out take out all of this kind of thing. the size of this means that what what we're about to see in the next couple of weeks is going to be a massive. They have to. They, they almost have to destroy Hezbollah. Yeah, they do. And, and they're saying one of the reasons why we won't get, we won't have to mess with like Hamas is that they won't be around anymore. That's what... Okay, Net you, okay so remember, the, the, Palestinian, the Palestinian area is, is uh, technically the government is the, is the Palestinian Authority. And they get a lot of money from the UN and stuff like that. Okay? But there are, there are factions... Hamas and Hezbollah, Hezbollah being more attached to uh, Lebanon, and Hamas more connected to uh, Iran. Okay? And they, are, they continue to foment things because that, uh, in the same way, let, let me give you a quick parallel. Uh, when when uh, the Romans, and when the Romans conquered Jerusalem, you had those like the Sadducees that get along with the Romans. In fact, they tried to be as Roman as possible. You had the Pharisees who didn't like the Romans, but they were, had been given enough space to be able to live their laws. The Pharisees were fine. Two other groups weren't fine. One, one of course, was the uh, Essenes, who were going to go out to Qumran, and we're going to do, do the Dead Sea Scrolls, and... We just think the temple's corrupt, so we're going to live out here. So we can live with the Romans and wait for God to smite down the Romans. Okay? We, don't, we think the Sadducees are, are, are traitors and the Pharisees aren't right-wing enough. <laughs> but in the middle of those, there was another group, the Zealots. And, they, and the Zealots had a group of them called the Sicarii. And the Sicarii were the daggermen. And what they would do in, in holidays like that is that they would keep, they had long robes, and they had these little curved Sakari knives that they could slide underneath their, their robes. They could go around and they could foment, and then they could be in the middle of a crowd, uh, like at Passover, and they could get up next to a Roman soldier and just go, whoosh, stab him, put it back in here and go, oh no, the Roman soldier was stabbed, oh, you know, and then, so they just, everybody be all stirred up. 
and they wanted to foment war against the Romans. And it gets to the point, though, that when they finally succeed, when some things happen in uh, Caesarea and the Roman and the Jewish rebellion starts in 67 AD and the Romans start to press down and they put Jerusalem under a siege and everything, the zealots are loving this because they know God's going to come deliver them and they've been wanting this battle all along. So guess what the zealots do? They burned the foodstuffs in Jerusalem. <laughs> Jerusalem was all set and they kind of broke down some of the water things. So we're going to starve us out because we're trying to force this war. Okay? That was the Sicarii, the, the zealots. Okay? That's Hamas. <laughs> they keep fomenting things, wanting this war to happen. Now, the, the only thing that I, the, the thing that I want to point out where I think some parallels are so Israel has some choices <laughs> none of them are good none of them are good that's none of them are good Israel could try and do a ceasefire like some you know thousands are dead and we're just going to do a ceasefire can't do that okay this is because these guys are determined so so really what is what is their short term what's their short term choice just fight, fight on their own territory yeah they've got to what, what they've got to do what they're about to do which is they're going to roll in and you're going to and and they they're going to have to put this thing down they're likely to roll into gaza they're going to put yeah you're going to see gaza in flames in the next 2 weeks it would it would just be really bad. Okay, and then, and then world opinion is going to turn against Israel. Yep. And then Israel may have to get into war with Iran and Syria. Who, who knows? World opinion will go further against Israel, and this could be. I'm not suggesting it will be, but it could be the beginning of the. Yeah, and and that's one of those things that we're always aware of. Yes, sir. I want to interrupt. We had people scared to put a carpet today. Uh huh. So we're going to be in the building. I'm going to try to stand. Oh, that's fine. We'll, we'll be out of here in about 45 minutes. That'd be perfect. All right. So All right. Thank you, man. Okay. okay. Appreciate it. Okay. Now, I'm just talking about, so in this, but in the short term, uh, Israel has to make a choice, and they're going to make a choice, and there are consequences. The consequences are going to be uh, an incredible loss of life. Uh, you're right, world opinion. So in about two or three weeks, we're going to see all of these videos of tanks rolling in and little boys throwing rocks. <laughs> you know, little boys getting killed by, yes. by people in tanks. And, and lots of bodies and stuff like that. Okay, now, and all of the bodies that, that are there this morning will kind of be forgotten in the midst of that's, that's the That is the short-term consequence. Now, what is, so here's my question, though. What is the long-term consequence of, of this action, this, this event, this terrorist attack? What is the, uh, what's the long-term effect on Israelis growing up today? Their perspective of the, uh, of the Palestinians. It is. The, the, those things are going to harden uh, because everybody got so many families that have lost lives and everybody's going to know people. So, so, the, so what you're going to get on the Israel side is going to get a hardening 
in fact, our, this attack is is actually a consequence for the way the, the the Israeli government has chosen to treat the Palestinians in yeah. Gaza. Yeah, and their response was based on you know yeah. bus attacks and stuff like that. So that's right. You get this cycle of violence. And and that's that's the long term effect, I think. Yeah. Israel's not going to trust the U.S. because the U.S. just unfroze Iran's. Money. Yeah. Yep. And they're supporting. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd the money come from? And they're it's 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 awful. I know. So what is the long? Yeah. Who has the strong just short term? Who has the stronger military? Israel or Hamas? Oh, Israel. Israel. Israel just rolled right over. It'd be like me taking on a four-year-old. Oh, okay, that's a, so Hamas must really hate these people. Oh yeah, I mean, well, and it, think about it, why? I know, and, and and that's why there's some connections to Iran and hoping that maybe other countries will come in. I mean, all that. Okay, but I'm just thinking in the in the short in the short run, the consequence, right? Now, in the, so what's going to be the consequence of this action in Gaza among the Palestinians? Uh, Hamas is going to grow dramatically because we're going to kill five or ten thousand of them, yeah. and they'll recruit twenty-five thousand. So, what's going to happen to this generation of little kids growing up in Gaza? They're going to hate Israel even more, and they're going to be and, and because everybody's going to have a, had a martyr that was killed by a Soviet or an Israel tank. So, okay, so so all I'm saying is is that. Uh, there's going to be short-term consequences we're going to see in the next few weeks, but generations down the road, we have we have two sets of uh, young generation that's going to grow up more hardened in their feelings towards the other people. That's just it just is right. Uh, but we're not going to have generations. <laughs> well, then, then there's those hoping, like the zealots, maybe it's over. You know, second coming comes. So. Israel than just fighting over that sand and stuff over there. I'm nothing against that. I always wonder, that doesn't look like it's the best real estate anyway. I know. But you need to go into the Galilee. Yeah. Hitler should still think about. Nobody tried to help six million of us. I know. And so it's always in their belief. Oh, it is. That's right. That if we don't do something, nobody else will. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it isn't because there. It isn't because I know one time one of the wars you're talking about, my hometown of Champaign, Illinois. I remember it's in the paper, the Jewish community came together, donating money to send over to Israel. Yeah. Champaign, Illinois. Hit, and so and I don't think there's an answer. I think the Savior's going to have to come. Yes, he will. He's the only one who probably can. That's true. And they have long memories. When you stand on when you stand at Masada and and, and you look off to the east uh, from Masada, there's a there's an airbase that sits. You got the dead Masada, Dead Sea end of it, and then there's an airbase. You can see planes taking off in the long run. Now, if those planes are fighter jets and they come they come around near Masada where the the Romans finally conquered the Zealots and, and all those guys that were on top of Masada, okay, the, the planes wiggle a little bit. And, and the statement is, Masada shall not fall again. Hmm. We have long memories. Back to 70 AD, that we're not going to let this happen to us again, right? Long-term consequences of that. Okay, now, 
If we have that in place, um, I don't do that. Let, let, let's, let's, do, let's do this. Um, While you're doing that, let me tell a little story. about I, I belong to an online community, and I after we had gone to Israel, one of the times we had gone to Israel, I had told on, this, on the community about this wonderful Israeli salad that I had. Mm. That's what it's called. It's called Israeli salad, and that's what you order off of the menu. And so I told about this. And I got scolded big time by a lady who says, this is a Middle Eastern salad. <laughs> and, and here's the clincher. This has been around a lot longer than 1948. And I looked at her name, and I saw that her name was more happy yeah. than anything else. But the long memory, to, to, to me, that's a long memory, even though that's recent, 1948. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I remember that. Just a Yeah. Okay. So 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 now let me shift gears. Yeah, you, you got this in head, right? Let's shift gears. I want you to look in uh, Helaman one. We're going to go to a place after all the wars are done, but I want you to see this is kind of, there's a a hinge moment here in the Book of Mormon, and that's why I say, uh, as, I, as I was thinking about the events going on in Israel uh, this weekend, and I started reading this, it's like the parallels were a little bit uh, striking. Okay, This is Helaman 1. This is after the wars are done. Uh, and, and yet, um, we're going to get a rebellion among the people because you've got three sons that are contending for to fill the place of Pahoran. Okay, stories again that that we know. Um, and and before I get into the story, I want you, I want to come down here, take something a little bit out of context, but I need you to see it in how it works. They came and verse fifteen. They and they came down that they might pitch battle against the Nephites. And they were, they were led by a man whose name was Cor, Coriantumr. And he was a descendant of who? Zarahemla. Why is that important? He's claiming the right to the throne. Yes. So, so hold on to that. So they're going to point out he's, he's a descendant of Zarahemla. And he's a descendant among the Nephites. And he's a large and mighty man. Ah, well... Now let's go back and put this in context. And you're going to go, oh, really? What does this have to do with anything? Okay. Remember that about um, about 150 BC that the, the uh, Nephites are going to leave uh, are going to pick up and and leave the land of Nephi, and they're going to go through the wilderness, and they come down and they get into the land of Zarahemla, that's that is inhabited by who? The Mulekites, right? And the Mulekites were descendants of Mulek, going back to oh, King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah. Okay, 
So the so the people of so so in the land of Zarahemla. Now here come here come the Nephites. And they're going to come in with King Mosiah and then Benjamin, right? And they're going to run into the people of Zarahemla who have gone through this 300 years of apostasy and they're probably more indigenous than they are Israelite. But their bloodline, they didn't have the brass plate, so they, don't necessarily, they might have forgotten who their bloodline is until they get the brass plates and they get taught again. Okay? And so we have all of these people of Zarahemla there, and they allow Mosiah to be king. Saul in Mosiah 1, okay? Or in the end of Omni, okay? Now, really, really important here when we start talking about long memories and consequences, okay? The people of Nephi, what tribe were they from? They were a combination, right? Uh, we know that that uh, uh, Lehi was Manasseh for sure. They were, yeah. Lehi was Manasseh, and Ishmael was Ephraim. Ephraim. <coughs> now there might have been a little bit of Judah in them coming from Zoram. But by and large, and these guys all track their ancestry back, so, so Mosiah and King Benjamin were going to be probably Ephraim or Manasseh. Okay? The people of Zarahemla are what tribe? Judah. They go through Mulek, but what tribe? Judah. Ephraim and Judah. Okay, and Judah, uh, and Judah goes back to, and, and is connected to, King David, and the right to rule. Okay, so isn't it interesting? This is my belief. It sounds like it, some of your belief going forward. Isn't it interesting that going forward in Nephite society, uh, especially just before in the middle of the war, there is a battle. That keep that breaks out uh, because they had an election, and the election was going to be between the free men and the king man. Any guesses as to maybe what drives that? Okay, is this exact thing? Well, in all likelihood, these. King men are probably tracing it back to Zarahemla, back to Judah, and and uh, like Jim was saying, the the right to rule, and not to be ruled by Ephraimites because we're Israelites, dang it, and and Judah and and descendants of King David should be in charge. Okay, so that that's going to be how it works, for sure. Okay. So, so those battles are going to show up. Now, I want you to see something. If we go back to back in the Book of Mormon, and I want to go to 
This is going to kind of be something that we were talking about last time. In the middle of the war, guess what? These guys rise up and they're still kicked off about the election. Wrong guy got voted in. And we're not going to fight. <laughs> okay? And so they're denying Pahoran uh, supplies. Pahoran has to leave town. Okay? He writes to King to Captain Moroni, help, I need help. Okay? So Captain Moroni is going to come in and do what? Look at verse 10. And it's expedient that this law should be observed. Oh, let's see. Let's actually go back one ahead of that. Seven. Moroni and Pahoran come down with their armies. They meet the, the men of Pacchus. Pacchus is slain. They take prisoners. Uh, nine, they're cast into prison. They're executed according to the law. And Pacchus and those king men who would not take up arms in defense of their country were put to death. Now look at 10. Here comes, the, here comes the law that gets enshrined. And it was expedient that this law should be strictly observed for the safety of their country. They're going to make a decision. If you don't fight for us, what happens? You die. You die. If you don't fight for us, we'll die. You'll die. It works in the short run. It works in the short run. You're going there. Exactly. Whosoever was found denying their freedom was speedily executed according to the law. Okay, and they restored 11. They restored peace in the land of Zarahemla among their own people, having inflicted death upon all those who were not true to the cause of freedom. That's a pretty heavy rule. Now, I'm not about to say, without knowing the whole situation, they might not have had a choice. They might have said, under the situation, we might need to execute these guys. There might have been another possibility. We don't know, but all we know is that there are short-term things and long-term. So clear up until around 1700, the uh, royalty from, you know, Russia, England, Scandinavia, Germany, they all killed everybody who had a claim to the throne. Yeah. It, and, and that is just what they did. And um, back when Israel crossed the Jordan River, God told them, Kill the Canaanites. Kill everybody. Yeah. Don't leave anybody. Not even the animals. For that, it's strategically, uh, you know, strategically in a vacuum, Israel should wipe out Gaza. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. If if you were following the Old Testament. But but uh, it's not going to work for them to do that today. No, No, it doesn't. Because there are consequences, guys. There are consequences. Now watch what happens here. So now you're going to get, and this is in 60, about 57 BC. Okay? So now, so they come in, they execute, they win the war, and it worked. But what we have is a lot of people whose leaders were executed and killed. You got family members of leaders who were executed and killed by Captain Moroni. Okay, again, may have had to do it, may have had no choice, but here are the consequences. So now if we now let's go back over then to if I can get it to go. Come on. There you go. And thank you. All right. 
So now we get this setting. Pohorans died. Uh, we get the three sons uh, battling among each other. They cause three divisions. Uh, the voice of the people to be chief judge. Uh, Pohoran II uh, is, is chosen. His brother goes along with it. He unites with him. But it's Ponchi, or Ponchi. Uh, he's about to flatter. That interesting word. He's about to flatter the people to rise up to a rebellion against uh, their brethren. Okay? Now, what's the new rule? Kill, 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 kill the guys that aren't going to... Right? Okay, again. Short term, long term. Short term. Kill him. Cain of Passage is about to be taken and tried according to the voice of the people and condemned to death for he had raised in rebellion and sought to destroy the liberty of the people. Okay? Now... Look at what the response is. Now, what happens is that when people have choices and they know what the consequences are, they start to adapt their methods. We will change the way we do this to get what we want. If something doesn't work, you quit doing it and you move on to something that does work. So apparently the rising up, raising an army and attacking keeps not working. If you're the king guys doesn't work. Let's find another way to do get what we want. So they change their tactics. Here's the tactics. Verse 9. When those that were desirous that he should be governor saw that he was condemned to death, rather than going to raise up an army, they were angry, therefore they sent one Kishkuman even to the judgment seat of Pahoran, and he murdered Pahoran as he sits on the judgment seat. This is it, it just turned. Now, instead of having an army and we're going to raise up and try and attack, now we're going to start to do it how? By stealth. By stealth. That's why, that's why the, the Sakari, the, the, the uh, zealots in Jerusalem, couldn't, couldn't beat the Romans face to face, but they could begin to stir th- stuff up and try and foment. Okay. And to a certain extent, that's what Hamas is doing. Yeah. Well, what was the cause and effect? What's the cause and effect? Maybe it was the law of putting everybody to death if they didn't conform. Right. If they had been able to find another way to do it, you might not have got this. But again, it's easy to sit back here and say, they should have been able to sit down at a table and have detente. And, you know, and maybe there was a way to do that. But under the, under the, the strictness of war and Captain Moroni's uh, forcefulness, the decision was made, we'll put to death everybody, and so there are consequences to that law. There just is. Right or wrong, we don't, hard for us to judge, but this is the consequence. I'm, in recent history, we can see the same pattern. Uh, the internment of the Japanese during World War II was a knee-jerk reaction. It was a big... I mean, I mean yep. Pattern that right, because we don't know if the if the um, uh, Japanese are going to be loyal to us. Are they more loyal to the emperor? It was it was uh, Kennedy's question when he was running: Is he going to be more uh, beholden to the Pope? It was Mitt Romney's question: Is he going to be more beholden to the president of the church? Okay, there is that suspicion. And if you're going to, and if you're going to have those kind of draconian 
thing, you're going to have a reaction. And this is the reaction. Okay? Uh, so, they, they, now we're going to start to do it. We're going to murder. Okay? Now, uh, and look at 11. He went with those that sent him, and they all entered into a covenant, uh, swearing by their everlasting maker that they would tell no man that Kishkumen had murdered Pahoran. So now what happens? You start to do it by secrecy. You do it underneath the table. Okay? But everybody in the group is agreeing that we're going to be dishonest and uh, we're going to uh, murder people to get gain. And then they have to decide who gets to get murdered in the group so that we get to be in charge. And, and, and yes, we're able, we're able to do that. And, and uh, Ultimately, this is how Hitler rose to power. You know, you start. You start That's why Stalin killed so many. And, of his and Stalin, right-hand man. Every time anybody got power in his organization, he killed them because. If you can't, if you can't win face to face, you start to do it subtly. And the this is and guys, this is where this comes from. This is where we're going. Because look at what happens next. Uh, he's appointed. Um, and they're going to try one last time. Uh, here comes Coriandomer. Uh, and they're going to follow this king man like, we haven't learned our lesson completely, but we think we've weakened the government enough. We'll try one more time. We're going to try and do this. Um, but now Coriandomer, though, there's another group out there that feels like they have been disenfranchised. If, if we're Zarahemla... And we should be king, but we're not. There's another group out there that also thinks they should be king, and they're not. And that is the Lamanites. Their history tells them that they should be over all the people, but they're not because the story is, the narrative is, Nephi stole it. So Coriandomer thinks he can get away with this because what is he going to do? He's, he, he's adapting his methods. Coriandomer is going to align with the Lamanites. Hey, Tubaloth, what do you think? You know, we, we both share a song, you know, the friend of my, the, the friend of my friend, no, the enemy of my friend is my fr enemy, <laughs> enemy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that thing. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I didn't take my meds today, yeah. Um, no, it's like, uh, you hate us, but you know what? We hate the Nephites too. So let's band together. We can do it, and we'll stir them up. And so now we're going. So we'll try this. Okay. So now they're going to go ahead and do that. Much contention, and we know that whole story. Okay. Um, and it uh, and it end up uh, doesn't work. Uh, so Coriantumer is slain. Now, what's the very next chapter in this saga? If it doesn't work to connect with, it doesn't work to do it by raising an army. It doesn't work by not fighting. But we still haven't changed what we thought. Our thinking is still the same. If we don't change people's thinking, they're just going to find other ways to do it. A kid, is, a kid who really is looking for the dopamine hit to be gaming at 3 o'clock in the morning will keep gaming at 3 o'clock in the morning until he has a reason that he believes to make the change. Unless you really just lock him down so tightly and then he just do it when he goes to school. 
And then after they have blown off a whole semester at BYU playing games and not ever going to class, then I get to see him in my office. <laughs> but at least he didn't look at pornography or game all night while he was under our roof. No, he went to BYU and did it and then blew off a semester. Because you never did change his thinking. All you did was try and change his behavior. His thinking drives his behavior. Okay? So, they never changed the thought pattern for whatever reason. These Either the king men wouldn't go along with it, or they didn't try, or whatever. But whatever reason, it didn't change. So the behavior just says, now it's our job to find another way to do this. So what are we going to do? Okay, well... The fighting against them didn't work. The uh, not fighting didn't work. The combining with the Lamanites didn't work. What is our other option? Just read the headline. Helaman, son of Helaman, becomes chief judge and Gadianton. So Gadianton leads the band of Kishkumen. This, okay, all of this has been to say this is where the Gadianton robbers come from. <laughs> I thought it was, you were saying that's where Hamas came from. Uh, yes. Exactly. Same th- that, and that, that's the parallel that really struck me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's why I kind of stopped in my tracks. I was reading some reports and I was, look, and I was looking ahead here and went, Wow. Look at look at this thing. We could we can be horrified by what the Gadianton robbers do. We can be hor- horrified by what Hamas did, but we're also looking at the long term effect of consequences and thought patterns that have never changed or been changed. That will simply find other ways to accomplish what they think they should be accomplishing. As long as their goal is retribution. Yeah rather than uh, how to make their lives more comfortable. Yeah, right. And, and Hamas is so bent on that that even Hamas doesn't see the, uh, the uh, suffering that's, going, that's about to be inflicted on innocent Palestinians who just want to go get up every day and go to work and take care of their families. They're not going to be able to do that. Apparently, 25 minutes ago, they just did another major attack on Gaza. Yeah. Who did? Hamas? No. Israel. Oh, it's coming. They're going to shut down the water. They're bombing Gaza. They're shutting down the electricity. They're shutting down the water. Yeah. So here, here it comes. And unfortunately, then there's going to be a whole... So the radicalizing is just going to get worse on both sides. Two or two and a half million people going to suffer because of 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happened, by the way, with the Gadiantans is the Gadiantans were so bent on their right to rule, like Hitler or Stalin or Pol Pot or anybody, they're so focused on their right to rule that they just overrun everything else. And in a sense, I mean, it's nice to have a, a religious netting underneath. It's like, okay, these guys are going to die, but at least they, you know, there's an afterlife waiting for them that will be nicer than this. But the result is the misery and suffering of people all over the Near East. So. And, and Palestine is actually like two major areas and, and yeah. a couple, three or four fringe areas. And the world is always looking at whether or not there should be a Palestinian state. But really, uh, Gaza isn't that much in common with West the, Bank. the Palestine between Israel and Jordan. Yeah, 
Yeah, the, it's a different. So and so much and the and the a lot of the West Bank. If you get on the other side of the Jordan, and and we always travel down through the West Bank uh, when we're coming out of Galilee. Um, a lot of the West Bank is much is much different. I mean, they have similar ideas, but they're living better conditions. The the folks on the Gaza Strip down there. That's whew, that's that's third world poverty down there and 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 that's where all of the fencing and everything you can travel through the west bank without having to you can travel travel into bethlehem which is part of palestinian area and just go through a single guard thing it's not a big deal gaza's different deal and that's where hamas is and that's where the biggest suffering is about to be uh, incurred there and uh, and again i just mourn i guess the radicalism that's going to happen on both sides because because people don't change. So, but if we can see that from, from an educational standpoint, that's why I just think it's incredible that now, uh, and and we'll we'll hop on this in in two weeks uh, when we start talking about Gadiant and the Gadiant and robbers and all the suffering that is imposed because of an ideology that these guys have that they should still be kings. They get to be in control. We're just changing our method. Because everything else hasn't worked. Yeah? We can take this to a personal level, too. I mean, there's not a whole lot any of us can do about the armies. Right. But, you know, if you hang on to something and be bitter about it. Ooh, yeah. Yes. And just have all this hate, you can alienate your friends, your family, and then you go by and you wonder why why nobody comes to see you, why this sort of thing. I've seen it happen in my family. I'm sure many of us have seen it in personal relations. You leave the church. You uh, All these things that you think at the moment because you're so angry, but the long-term consequences are. And then the next generation or so won't even care about what you're upset about. No, and, and that that's why uh, and where, where I want to go in two weeks uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, stages of faith and how what happens as people leave the church and I want to really come back around to because the Book of Mormon has its own stages of faith and I'm going to walk you through what I think the stages of faith and growth uh, happen in the Book of Mormon you can track it it's very easy to see but, but especially in, in our own personal lives that's why relationship over dogma <laughs> becomes so critical for those that have become alienated with the church. Finding a way somehow to forge a relationship with them that ultimately in the long run lets them know that we love them regardless of what they choose to do down the road. Our relationship with them is more important. Yeah. Well, I read a biography of President Campbell many, many years ago. And many things about him obviously impressed would impress everybody. But when he was called to be an apostle and left wherever Arizona he was, and he was an insurance at an insurance business, I believe. He got his checkbook out and there were some people who felt that they had not been treated fairly mm. by decisions that were yeah, yeah. he went to them and he wrote out the check for whatever the amount was that they felt they should have received because he didn't want to leave leave with anybody thinking that about him even though he probably was right yeah but he didn't want anyone to the relationship was more important yes, than being right and have people back home, yeah yeah but blah 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 that takes a certain type of person to do that because realizing that money doesn't matter Mm-mm. 
It is interesting how often in my practice I see people that would rather be right than happy. <laughs> and and they, they hang on to the I'm, I'm right and miserable. Awesome. <laughs> As opposed to sometimes it's easier to just let that thing go and, 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 and be happy. Yeah, yeah I just want to remind people what uh, President Nelson said that uh, in the last days it would not be possible to survive spiritually without the guidance, direction, comfort, and constant companionship of the Holy Spirit. When we see things rolling forward, they're just going to get worse as we approach the last days. And, uh, and we need to be able to find peace yeah. that God knows what's happening. He knew what would happen. And uh, that this is all according to expectations from his side. And we just need to find comfort and peace and take our concerns to the Lord in prayer. Yeah. To give him a better opportunity to speak peace to our souls. Yeah. Yeah. I, amen. And, and Joan, again, I, I, like, I like what you said. That ultimately, where does this all go? This goes in our own lives. You know, and you look at those that we might have. There might be things that we might do in the short run. Or even, in the, and we take a look at the consequences, some things we have to do, but we can't do anything without there being consequences in the long run. And sometimes I think we make better decisions if we understand both the long term and the short term consequences of what we do. And if that falls then on, on the side of, and how do I uh, have you not esteem me as an enemy? How do I do it with long suffering and caring and love? That maybe there's a chance to change hearts. And because the Book of Mormon is also going to give us a chunk, and it comes in, in Helaman, where hearts were changed, behaviors were changed because hearts were changed. And they didn't have to do it by war. The most important heart is your own. Yeah, it's true. Because it's you true. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I understand, you know, it's a little heavier today, and I, I apologize for that. I think it's just kind of a, where, where we are, but I also think that it's, uh, as we look at uh, the events that are going to unfold, I think Helaman is a really good place to take a look at strategies and how this works and how we kind of protect our own, our own lives. So, all right. Any final comments? Yeah. I was thinking, why all this war in the world? Yeah. You know, like, I'm this is the world we live in, isn't it? And I just see the war back and forth between good and evil, and I, I've never seen that maybe in the last 10 years. I think like, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, I bury my testimony. Uh, the Lord does know what's going on, and, and that there is... There is uh, There's peace available to our heart, even when we're going to be surrounded by chaos. I, you know, I. We know there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and you know, I'm not so quick to say, okay, this is the beginning of the big one. You know, someday there'll be the beginning, of the, I guess, of the big one. But at the moment, all we can do is control what we can control, and that is, I love the the idea of the peace in our own heart, and and working with the relationships of people around us. Uh, that's in our control. And that's what we need to work on. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
such a Father in heaven we're grateful for. And thank you for joining us for another Monday morning class. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions about future topics that we could discuss, or if you had any questions concerning something that you heard in the class, please drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. As always, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please come in and join us on a Monday morning. We'd love to see you and identify who you are. If the podcast itself is resonating with you, go ahead and click subscribe uh, so that Apple can figure out where we are. We'd love to, to hear from you. So again, thank you for coming, and we'll see you for another Monday morning class.